The Guardian. I'm SF Said, and you're listening to the Guardian Children's Books Podcast. I'm going to read you the opening of my new book, Phoenix, which is a space epic. I'm going to start with chapter one. Lucky dreamed of the stars again that night. He loved the stars and dreamed about them most nights. A million points of silver light shining in the black. But this dream was different. This time the stars were calling him. They were trying to tell him something. They were making a small, soft, silvery sound, like the chime of a faraway bell. The sound grew. It surged and swelled, rising up into the sky. Lucky's blood surged with it. His feet lifted off from the floor. And in his dream, Lucky flew. He rose up and soared through space into the stars and constellations. It didn't feel like a dream. It seemed so real. He rose higher and higher until the sound wasn't distant anymore. It was all around him now, surrounding him with waves of overwhelming power, though he still couldn't grasp its meaning. If he could just get a little nearer. He flew so close, he could taste the stars sparkling on his tongue. He felt their heat on his face. They weren't little points of silver anymore. They were suns, each one a giant blazing sun. Inside them burned impossible energies, stronger than the fires in a nuclear furnace, bigger than the blast of a billion atom bombs. He reached out his hands to touch them, woke up with a violent start. He was in his bedroom, in his mother's apartment, back on Phoenix. It was just before dawn. The air conditioning was on full blast, but he was drenched in sweat, fever hot. A headache throbbed behind his eyes. He fumbled for the lights, Then he saw his sheets. The top sheet on his bed was burnt. There was a massive hole through the middle of it. All around the hole, the white linen had gone black and crumbled into ash. So that introduced us to Lucky, the main character, and we got an indication now that perhaps he's not living in the kind of universe that we would recognise because he lives on something called Phoenix. But I wonder if you could tell us a bit more about the book and the scope of it because it's massive. Yeah, it's set in a, a galaxy in which humans and aliens are at war. One side of the galaxy you have all the human worlds. In the middle of the galaxy there is this enormous mind-boggling thing called the Space Wall and on the other side are the alien worlds. Um, and the humans and the aliens trying to destroy each other. It's a a deeply upsetting situation for anybody caught up in it, and Lucky is caught up in it in ways that he doesn't even know about at the beginning of the book. I think it starts in quite a small way. This is just a boy living in an apartment with his mum. But very, very quickly he gets drawn into this galactic interstellar war, which he is actually central to. You're the author of Vajak Paul, which is a book about a cat, although it's, it's much more than a book about a cat. This is a space epic. How did you get from one to the other? I mean, I guess with Vajak Paul, one thing I, I would say about it, of course it is a book about a cat, but it is also a book about someone who is small in a very big world. At the beginning of Vajak Paul, he's a kitten who's never been outside his house. He has to go out there and survive all on his own. 
and I guess there are certain comparisons with Lucky's situation in Phoenix. He's a very innocent, naive character at the beginning of the story. By the end, we can say pretty confidently that's not the case anymore. But it's certainly true that the scale of Phoenix is different. Uh, Valjapur is quite a... It's set in the, the back streets and alleys of a city. You know, everything is from the cat's point of view, so it's all happening about eight inches off the ground. Whereas in Phoenix, yes, there are stars, there are black holes, supernovas, exploding stars. You know, the biggest scale imaginable, really. And that definitely was a deliberate, conscious thing. I think when I finished The Outlaw Varjackpool in 2005, I'd, I'd certainly will write a, a third Varjack Paul book one day to answer a question that people often ask, but I, I did want to do a few different things first, and I thought, let me do something as different as it can possibly be, something that is as, as big and huge as Varjack Paul is intimate. So, yeah, I, space is something I've been interested in for a very, very long time, both the science of space, actual space, and fictional space. Space as it appears in, in great epic stories like Star Wars, Star Trek, and so on. But there are very few books about space space stories written specifically for young readers. It's a very, very strange and curious anomaly. In the last decade or so, we've had all these wonderful books about magic and wizards. We've had books about vampires and werewolves, post-apocalyptic science fiction. So, that, I mean, there is science fiction and, and fantasy. The fantastic is huge in children's literature. But space somehow isn't. It's, it's this unexplored territory, which I think is astonishing. So I thought, OK, I, I, I like space. I want to set a book on a starship. And yeah, I want to see a character actually fly through space without even a starship. How could I make that happen? I want to see stars up close. I want to see galaxies and nebulae. I, you know, I want all of it. So on TV, Doctor Who had just been relaunched by Russell C. Davis in 2005. No one knew if it would be successful or not, I think. And now, when Phoenix comes out, space is just huge all around us in the culture. It is everywhere except in children's books. Incredibly still, it's not. So I, do, I hope other people, other writers, I hope that publishers and booksellers and librarians and journalists and bloggers and everybody out there just has a think about this and goes, yeah, you know what, space is awesome. Let's, let's do it. Do you think it is simply a trend thing, that it, it's going to take something to kickstart it in the book world, and that may be Phoenix? You know what, I, I remember in about 1995 writing some fantasy stories and sending them to publishers and I remember very, very clearly receiving a rejection letter that said, no, we can't publish this, there is no market for fantasy in children's books. A couple of years later, Harry Potter appears. How stupid will that publisher be feeling? Perhaps it will happen with space, I don't know. Unfortunately, as I'm the kind of person who doesn't appear to be able to write books quickly, I, I take many, many drafts. Phoenix took seven years, 13 drafts, a ridiculously epic process. I feel quite done with space now. I think my next book might not be another space book. It might be something completely different again. So uh, if there is a great big trend for space books, I don't know if I'll be able to cash in on it. <laughs> but uh, but I, do hope, I do hope that people will be open to the idea and not just dismiss it. And I hear so often, oh, space, yeah, it's so strange that there aren't more space books for kids. And why is that? Maybe they're just very hard to write. Maybe the seven years it took you to write Phoenix is not because you're a slow writer, but maybe sp there's something about space epics that are just really difficult. I mean, the stars evoke so many profound questions. What are our origins? Where do we all come from? What does that mean for how we should live? These are the biggest questions there are. And if you're trying to tackle stuff like that, it's very, very easy to... Uh, either be hideously overblown and pompous, <laughs> which I hate, or to, to, to somehow fall underneath. You know, you don't, you don't quite reach 
to where your ambition um, takes you. So I guess it is hard. Uh, I, I found it hard. Because of the ending of Phoenix, which I don't want to say too much about, I don't want no to spoilers. introduce spoilers, yeah. But the way you've ended it means that this is likely to be your, your one shot at space because I don't think there's going to be a Phoenix, the sequel. But um, it's an incredibly powerful ending. I'm intrigued to know whether you always intended that ending or, or did it surprise you? The ending absolutely surprised me and uh, I only became aware of it two or three years into the writing. Uh, I'd originally had an ending that was just quite uncomplicatedly upbeat and was, you know, then he saves the universe and they all go and have more adventures together. And at a certain point it just became apparent that that really could not be the ending. Um, I get upset when I read the ending again of Phoenix, uh, even though I know what it's going to be, when I read it through I'm like... That's pretty heavy, um, but that's what it's got to be. I think it's very unlikely that there will be a sequel to Phoenix as such, but I don't think it's impossible that I could write other space stories set in the same universe, if you like. Um, there are some characters in the book who are called the Twelve Astraeus. Uh, these are the sort of mythic origins of, of all the gods and pantheons there have ever been. So, for example, Poseidon uh, or Neptune, in the world of Phoenix is the Astraeus of the sea. And I, I've been thinking recently it might be interesting to do stories, perhaps not great big epics, perhaps short stories about some of some of those and, and previous times that they may have got involved in the affairs of mortals and what might have happened then. Somewhere between the, the mythic and, and, and the epic science fiction. It's impossible to talk about this book without talking about the illustrations, which are by the amazing David McKean. They're an integral part of the book. Dave McKean, who I collaborated with on the Varjack Paul books as well, um, and we worked together trying to make a Varjack Paul film, we had all kinds of adventures doing that, is just someone who can do things with, not just with pictures, but with layout and design in general, the use of every millimetre of the page, um, that I, I don't think any other illustrator I've come across can. He is kind of unique in that respect and it draws on his background uh, not only in illustration but obviously in comics. He's very well known for all the comics and graphic novels he's worked on, but also films. There's a thread of illustration that runs through it, the illustrations of the Twelve Astraeus as they appear, um, warning of the terrible dangers that the galaxy faces. I, I designed that specifically with Dave in mind as, a, as a, almost a showcase for him, so okay, let's have a series of portraits of the 12 mythological beings who lie at the origins of, of everything. Obviously that's quite a big thing to ask someone to do. Illustrate the gods, please. Uh, even bigger, I suppose, was I asked him to show us a whole galaxy and somebody going off the edge of the galaxy. I mean, that is impossible. So I, I did ask him to illustrate things that are inconceivable and impossible, but I think he found ways to do it. Um, when I finished writing the book, I gave him uh, enormous books of uh, photographs taken by the Hubble Space Telescope, for example, um, where we were both very excited by all these, all these nebulae and supernovas, and what, we love all that space photography. I gave him lots of books of astrology as well as astronomy. Uh, the stars have always been seen in this mythic kind of way. I gave him lots of books of mythology. I gave him books of ancient astronomical devices like astrolabes. You know, any kind of way in. Um, and he's made amazing and spellbinding and breathtaking use of all of it. So I'm enormously, enormously grateful to him. I don't think anybody else could have made such a beautiful object. And to me, that's something that just makes me extraordinarily happy that Phoenix is a beautiful object, I think, as, as a book. 
You've got quite an interesting background. You, you were born in Beirut, you spent first couple of years of your life in Jordan and then moved to London and you had quite a lot of connections with um, other people who moved around a lot. What sort of impact has that had on your writing? If I had to identify a, a big theme that I think runs through more or less everything I do, it's probably this idea of us and them. Uh, I think us and them is something I've always grown up with and always been conscious of. The idea that people in, in all sorts of parts of the world conceive of, of these groups of us and them, and if you're not us, you're them, you're out. Um, so I was always conscious growing up that um, there, were more than, there was more than one way of doing anything uh, and that there's, there's no absolutes to any of these things. Identity is a very fluid thing. You know, at home I was, I guess, an Arab kid. At school I was trying really hard to be uh, a British kid. Um, and and you, you navigate and move across these boundaries quite effortlessly, I think, as a kid. But perhaps as you get older you become a bit more conscious of, of what identity means. And So I think fiction is definitely a way for me to think about questions like that. And in Varjak Paul, Cats and dogs is definitely one way you could see that tapping into us and them. There's this idea that no cat will ever talk to a dog. It's inconceivable. They are filthy, they're revolting, they're disgusting. They're... But Varjak is someone who, for various reasons, is able to just think a little bit outside that box and just go, you know what, dogs might be all right if we actually tried, if we actually, we might have something in common. And I think in Phoenix, the equivalent of cats and dogs obviously as humans and aliens. I find aliens fascinating. I think they're often underused. I think they have such deep metaphorical resonance. Often they're very one-dimensional, you know, they're sort of bug-eyed villains or whatever. But I think aliens can be an amazing way of thinking about what we might call otherness, you know, on our treatment of the other, whatever that might be in any situation, whether it's at the level of a playground and my gang and your gang, or at the level of nations and faiths and so forth. There, there, there's always us and them, isn't there? And I think aliens are a wonderful way of thinking about that. And if you look at something like Doctor Who, for example, the idea that uh, the greatest protector and defender of humanity might be an alien is an amazing message. I think that's incredibly empowering you know uh, so I, I did want with Phoenix to be looking at that kind of thing and I think the the human alien war in my book is definitely something that grows out of all the things I have at any rate witnessed or read about or, or followed through my life as, as somebody of Arab and Muslim origin growing up in, in, in Britain um, it's impossible not to be aware of various conflicts around the world and uh, ways in which those are thought and talked about and I, I think aliens can be a, a really good way of dealing with stuff like that. For more great downloads, go to theguardian.com slash audio.